Well, good morning again. Um, we are in a relationship series that is specifically focused on the marriage relationship. And our goal in this series is to help you have the best, most amazing, most wonderful, thriving marriage that you can possibly have. Whether you're newly married, whether you've been married a long time, or whether you're married again. Now, last week we talked, and one of the things we started off with, we talked about, you know, the, the, the I mentioned the pain of um, a marriage that doesn't work out, a pain of divorce. And I just want to um, uh, clarify something that, because that is something that has touched all of our lives, either, either directly, personally, or somebody that we are very close to, or that has, has gone through that, and we recognize that. And we are sorry about that. Um, you know, this is not, we don't want anybody to come in here and feeling, you know, like, um, you know, any guilt or anything like that because of, because of that. Um, we just want to make sure that, we want to, to, to do everything we can to ensure that, that, we don't go through that again. That we don't want anybody here to, to you know, you, maybe you've gone through it once, maybe you haven't, but we don't want you to feel that pain because we love you, you're valuable, and, and we don't want that pain to be a part of your lives. Um, so, you know, we're not here to judge anybody. You know, divorce happens, we live in a broken world, and we don't want to look at the past. We want to start right where you are and then help you more, move forward. And, you know, some of you are, are, um, uh, have no desire to ever be married, and I also want to say that's okay. That is okay. Maybe you, you know, uh, were married once again and it didn't work out and you have no desire to be married again, or it did work out but you've, you know, lost your spouse, or maybe you've never been married and, and you just have, there's, it's not even on your radar, it's nothing that you want or desire that's okay. That is okay. You don't need to be married to live a full and meaningful life, okay? You do not need to be married to live a full and meaningful life, a life of purpose, a life of significance. I mean, just two examples right off the bat that I'm thinking of. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was not married, and yet he, he lived a life of purpose. He lived a life of significance. He, was, he lived a celibate life, and, and he, he, it was certainly a full life, right? Certainly a full life. So, and the other thing is just look at Jesus. I mean, if anybody ever lived a significant and meaningful life as a single person, it would be Jesus. And if anybody ever lived, I know, I know Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow the Lord, and he you know, said, imitate me. But if there's any life that's ever worth in, in, um, imitating, thank you. I keep thinking invitating. No, imitating. If there's any life ever worth imitating, it's Jesus, right? I mean, he lived a full life. There's no life that's more significant, more full, more, more meaningful. And he is our model of a perfect human being, and he did it as a single person. A lot of times... Because the church values, has such a high value of marriage, we can inadvertently communicate that, well, 
to really be everything, you've got to be married. And if you're not, you're, you're really, um, something's wrong. We don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't want to give that impression at all. There is nothing wrong with being a single life. Paul was, Jesus was, you know, single. So we want to make sure that we, we put that out there. Now, as we said, the, the focus of this relationship is on marriage or on this series. And even though the focus is on series, uh, it, of this series is on marriage, there will be things that you will be able to apply to your life, whether you're married or not. Maybe a little bit different application, but there will be things that you can take from this series and apply in your relationships. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're in the category where you're, you know, you're not currently married or planning on it, that's okay. There's something here for you. Now, we're in week two of the series, and the series is called The Vow because we're talking about four vows that will help your marriage to stay strong and to thrive and to be all the good things we just saw on the screen uh, a little while ago, okay? And last week, we talked about the vow of priority. The vow of priority is this. I promise God will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my second. God comes first before anyone else. If we put anyone else before God, then we have things out of order from the start. So God is first, and after that comes our spouse, second, and then come children and, and, and others. That's about priority. Today, we're going to look at the vow of pursuit. There's a principle that we need to understand, and it's this. By nature, we pursue what we don't have. Okay, it's part of nature. We pursue what we don't have, all right? If you uh, uh, go on a safari, like I had the opportunity a couple of years ago, um, and, you know, we pull up and we're watching this lion pursue an impala, okay? It was pursuing, it was sneaking up, you know, just ever so slowly, stalking it, pursuing his dinner. Why? Because it's, he didn't have his dinner, okay? We pursue what we don't, and it's probably not a good analogy to use in a marriage series, a lion stalking its prey. <laughs> but I didn't think that one through, so anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we pursue what we don't have. Here's a better one. When Lisa and I were dating, we started dating. You know, I mean, I remember the first time I, I, I uh, asked her out. My knees were knocking. I was standing at the, outside the post office at Glendale Shopping Center in uh, Indianapolis when it was actually a mall. You know, my knees were knocking and, you know, asking her if she would, you know, be interested in going out with me sometime. Um, we had met already. We both worked at Burger Chef Restaurant. How many people remember Burger Chef? You know, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. I always said she's my su I'm, I'm her super chef, and she's my skipper's treat. Uh, and she rolls her eyes when I say that, and I told myself I wasn't going to say that, but I said it. So um, anyway, um, that, that's where we had met. But, you know, we were at the mall, and I asked her out. And, you know, um, I knew pretty soon on, I knew right away, actually, that she was something special, and I pursued her. I mean, we would see each other all the time we were always together I remember one winter day we were in high school she she lived about a half a mile one way from Burger Chef and I lived about just about two miles this way 
And so it was kind of in the middle, only more over toward her side. And this was a cold winter day, very cold, very cold. Uh, snow, we had, you know, probably snow like, like, you know, a foot and a half or whatever. And because of that, I couldn't take the car out. You know, for some reason, Dad didn't want me driving around on snowy roads. So anyway, but I had to see her. I ha- and, and of course, you know, look at me. She had to see me too. Um, you know, <laughs> I had to see her. So we walked. We walked and we met at Burger Chef. I can remember, I can remember the coat she was wearing. You know, I, I just remember those things. And we walked, I walked two miles to Burger Chef just to get in there to be able to see her. And she walked the half mile. And then we walked back to my house. So she actually did more walking. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 we, we wanted, always wanted to be together. Now, after I came down to IU then, she's still going to, to, to North Central and um, I'm down here at IU. I mean, back in the days before you had cell phones and when you still had long distance fees, anybody remember those? Thank God we don't have those anymore. I mean, our, our, we talked on the phone, and, you know, it wasn't necessarily every day. We wrote each other about every day. We talked. I know, it sounds kind of sappy, but, but we, 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 you know, talked a lot. And when we finally got married and moved into student housing or married, married student housing, our rent, our monthly rent was less than our monthly phone bill had been. Our monthly rent was $98.50, tells you how long ago it was, for an efficiency apartment, $98.50. Our phone bill would be over 100 So, yes, we were nuts, but we were pursuing her. And every, you know, not, not only that, almost every weekend I would, you know, get a ride back to Indy or she would come down. Almost every weekend we saw each other. There's probably, in the year and a half we did this, there was probably no more than a handful where we couldn't see each other. So, I, and, and every time I saw her, every time I was, every weekend I was going to see her and that where I'd been gone or, or, or whatever, I would buy her something. Just a little tiny, you know, little something just as a little gift, just as I'm going to, I'm going to make myself look anyway. <laughs> you like this little tiny figurine that says, you know, you're nobody until somebody loves you or something like that. I mean, just little sappy things, just, you know, a couple of bucks, something that, that just said, hey, I'm thinking about you. Okay. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I pursued her. That's what you do when you love someone. You pursue them. And that's what we're talking about this week, pursuing and how to do that. Now, yeah, not necessarily by buying little sappy things. I mean, you know, so the first vow is to get our priorities straight. You know, I promise God will be my first priority. My spouse will be my second. And the second vow, and the vow is this. I promise to always pursue my two. The two from the second vow I promise to always pursue my two. I want you to look at your outline. I want you to take out your pen, and I want you to circle the word always. Always. I will always. I promise to always pursue my two. We're going to turn again to this, uh, this week to Genesis 2.24. It's kind of the verse for the series. Let's look at it. Genesis 2.24 says this. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united 
Old King James says cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united. The word united there is debak. It's a Hebrew word debak. And it means so much more than what we think of as united. When we think of uh, 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 of something that's united, we think of joined together and just being together in that. The word debak means to cling or adhere, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. It means so much more in the Hebrew than what comes through in the translation in the English word united. I want to look at a few verses at some other ways that this word is translated. This word is used in, in, in other verses. I want to look at just mention three of them. One, Psalm 63, 8. I follow close to you. I follow close to you. I debauch. I follow close to you. Job 41, 17. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. That joined fast is debauch. Debak. Judges 2045. They pursued them relentlessly. Pursued them relentlessly. Pursue relentlessly is Dabak. Follow close, join fast, pursue relentlessly. That's all in this Hebrew word that we're looking at, that's translated just simply as united in the English. And that's what this second vow is all about. I promise to always pursue, follow, follow close, join fast, pursue relentlessly, my two. Always. You know, we think of pursuit, and we typically think of you know, pursuit until you catch, right? Like a minute ago, I was talking about the lion and the impala. You know, the pursuit ends once the, the, the impala is down and the lion's caught it. That's typically what we think of. You, know, you pursue until you catch. Um, but we're talking about so much more. A biblical understanding of the word united in this verse is something that continues long after the marriage. You continue to pursue hard with affection and devotion and follow, you, you follow close, you're joined fast. You don't stop once you go to church and you both say, I do. It doesn't stop there. Carol King used to sing a song. I, I think the Shirelles might have sang it first and Amy Winehouse sang it. Um, started like this. Tonight you're mine completely. You give your soul so sweetly. Tonight, the light of love is in your eyes. Will you love me tomorrow? You know the song, right? You know the song. Okay. It is a, the whole song is about pursuit. The whole song is about pursuit. And she is basically saying this. Okay, I know you're pursuing me, but what I want to know is what happens tomorrow and what happens the day after that. And what happens the day after that? And the day after that? Will you continue to pursue me, or is this just until you get what you want? Am I just a catch? Or am I a prize that you're going to hold on to and cherish and love? Will the pursuit continue, or does it end here? <laughs> I want to use, um, use my parents as an example. <laughs> you know, mom and dad had a good marriage. And there's a lot that I can look to and learn to from. It wasn't perfect. 
Um, I mean, no, nobody has a perfect marriage, but it was a good one. And it was worth using as a model. And, you know, when dad met mom, he knew that that's who he wanted to marry. Um, always, always joke at their 50th reunion, I don't know, so many years ago, um, the, the, I, they had a, a, a celebration mass uh, in their church, and uh, the priest got up and told the story how dad had, uh, you know, when he met mom, he picked her up on a street corner. And <laughs> yeah, and everybody cracked up. I mean, it's sort of true. He was in a car with a couple other guys, and they were supposed to meet these girls to go to this church picnic or something. And they so they met them at the street corner. But yeah, the priest got a good laugh out of that. Um, anyway, he knew that he wanted to marry her, so he pursued her. I mean, you know, and, and he told me a few years ago. He said, he said that the first time he asked her to marry him, she said no. She wouldn't agree. She, she said no, but he continued to pursue her, and he continued to pursue her, and eventually they did marry, but yet the pursuit never stopped. He would always write mom letters, and mom kept the letters that he wrote, the cards that he, cards that he wrote, and a few years ago, we were moving them back from Indianapolis, or from Florida to Indy so they could be closer to family in their final days. And um, my sister came across those letters and said, what's this? And mom said, well, that's the letters and cards that your dad always, you know, would send me. And um, she let us read them. So um, we, we read through those. Dad was pursuing mom. And even after the marriage, dad continued to pursue. He had to go on a lot of business trips. Every time he was on a business trip, he would write mom. He would send her something. And the language that he used, I mean, the way he spoke, the way he talked, he was continuing to pursue her even long after they were married. Um, um, I mean... And, and as their kids, we could, you know, five of us kids, we could see how, we could see that in their actions. We could see that in, in, in the way dad treated mom. He never stopped pursuing even after the marriage. And it goes both ways. It really goes both ways. The husband pursues the wife and the wife pursues the husband. You know, I was, I was very fortunate. I grew up with a good model. I could see that my parents loved each other and that didn't stop when they got married. Now, that's the whole point of this vow. And the key word I had you circle is always. I will always pursue my two. I will always pursue my spouse, even after the marriage, even years after the marriage. Um, what often happens, though, is that, I mean, we don't plan this. We intend for that to happen, but life comes in. The pursuit is like we're overtaken by the daily stresses and the routine of life. And, you know, you get busy, kids come along, pressures mount, and, and you're just trying to get through the day. And it's not that we intentionally decide to stop the pursuit or stop the romance and settle into a rut, but it just happens. It happens. So how do we get beyond that and break out of the routine? How do we go beyond just good intentions and actually do this? Well, 
It's what I want to talk about the rest of our time together. It begins with the words that we speak. And we talked about this a little while back. It's true in any relationship, but especially true in the marriage. And that is, you know, here the, the, the first thing is when you think something good, just go ahead and say it. When you think something good, say it. I wonder how many opportunities we've passed up because we didn't say what we thought. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily. In other words, don't waste an opportunity to encourage your spouse. If you think of something, say it. Don't assume that your spouse knows it. Just say it. In particular, husbands, pursue your wife with words of affection. Pursue your wife with words of affection. Husbands, listen to me. Your wife wants to know that you love her. Your wife wants to hear you speak to her with words of affection. Non-sexual words of affection. Not spoken because you want to get her in the mood. Words of affection spoken throughout the day with no agenda other to encourage her and to build her up and let her know that she's loved. <coughs> Ladies, pursue your husbands with words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Don't tell him everything he does wrong. Tell him what he's doing right. Don't tell him all the things he's not that he should be. But tell him all the positive things that he is. Call out the man that he was created to be. Speak in ways that build up rather than put down. Call out the person that you know they can be, that they were created to be. Call that out of them by building them up. You'll never get that by putting them down. Now, I'm speaking in general terms, too. I don't want you to go away from here thinking men don't ever want to hear words of affection or the women uh, never want words to hear words of affirmation. No, we're talking in general terms because this really does go both ways. God created men and women different, not just physically, but they're wired differently with different emotional needs and wants. And typically, women want to know, do you love me today? Do you love me today? Don't assume that she knows because you told her when you got married or because you told her last week or even yesterday. Tell her today, every day. She wants to know today. One of, the, one of a woman's most basic needs is security. And, and you know that includes knowing that she is loved today. Not just a week ago or yesterday or not the day. Well, I told you when, I got mar when we got married. Well, she wants to hear it today. So reaffirm your love every day. And typically, men want to know that you believe in him. You believe in him. He wants to know, you know, do you believe in me today? So wives, let your husband know that you believe in him. People tend to gravitate toward your level of expectation of them. And, and we're not just talking about husbands and wives, but parents and children and any other relationship. When, you let so, when, when someone lets you know, when somebody tells you that, you believe, that, that they believe in you, what happens? You begin to live up to their faith in you. 
You begin to live up in what they, what they see in you. You begin to live up in, in to, to those expectations. People gravitate toward the level of expectations. When you affirm someone, you're helping that person live up to their full potential. But when affirmation is lacking or when they're knocked down or put down rather than affirmed, there's no motivation to get any better. I mean, they, they, they don't see themselves as having the ability. Nobody thinks I can do this, so why even bother trying? And again, it goes both ways in a marriage. You know, typically men are one way and women are another, but yet this is something that both need these things. And again, I saw this with mom and dad. You know, they loved each other and they believed in each other and they affirmed each other. Dad never went to college. <clears throat> Well, he, he, he started working a mailroom for his company, for his corporation. He started out, you know, right out of high school in the mailroom. And then he had a, a, a stint in the Marine Corps during World War II. He comes back, works for the same corporation, and uh, begins, to, begins to advance, begins to do better, begins to, to, to rise up the, the corporate ladder, so to speak. By, by the time he retired, you know, he had worked in, you know, head of, you know, personnel or HR. He had worked as, uh, and he was working with uh, million-dollar contracts with the government. Uh, you know, negotiate. I remember one time he brought home a check for like a million-something dollars and showed us kids like, oh, my, that's all the money in the world, you know, because <coughs> he, was, he was dealing with, with all these, these contracts and that with the government. But he never went to college. The farthest he went was after he had been in, you know, working at this place. He did take some night classes and got a certificate in accounting. Okay, but that, as far as his education-wise, that was it. Mom, on the other hand, was her college valedictorian. I mean, she, she graduated magna cum laude with majors in both math and Latin. Now, who would ever put those together other than my mom? I have no idea. But she had majors in both math and Latin, double majors. She went on to earn more degrees, including a master's in math from Butler. And, and that. so she was like the opposite. She was very well educated. And dad used to brag on mom telling us that she was a, he, he loved telling us, you know, your mother was a human computer. That was her job title. That was her job title, a human computer. And, and it's like, Oh, okay, you know, like, I, I didn't get it. She was a human computer for Cornell Aeronautical Laboratory and then for Bell Aerosystems. That was her job title, and I never knew what that meant until a few years ago when the movie Hidden Figures came out. Anybody see that movie? I watched that movie, I, and, and, you know, um, I've watched it a few times. I love it. But all of a sudden, I was able to realize, oh, my gosh, Mom did that? She, she, I mean, she was like, she did that? And that's exactly what she did. She was a, I, I now know what a human computer, if you've never seen that movie, go out and watch it. It's awesome on several levels. Um, um, but yeah, it, it, later on she went to teach math and Latin in, uh, at an inner city high school in Indianapolis in, at Crispus Attics. And you know, but dad never had that level of education, but not once, not one time did mom ever mention that she had more education than dad or was smarter than dad. Not one time was there ever any hint of either being smarter than the other. 
well, I deal with more, you know, with, with million-dollar contracts. Well, I've got this and that, and I, I was a human computer, you know, for com- before computers were invented, you know. Uh, never once was there a hint of any of that. They believed in each other. They supported each other, and that's the way it should be. Part of pursuing is affirming and believing in each other. And, that you know, they'd always brag in each other, affirming them for their accomplishments. And because of that, as kids, we always felt secure in the home. Because of the way I saw dad treat mom and mom treat dad, I don't recall ever seeing, I'm sure they argued, but I don't recall them ever seeing, ever seeing them argue in front of us kids. Not one time. It never crossed our minds as kids that maybe their marriage wouldn't last. Never. Because they did it right. They were always, they affirmed each other, they believed in each other, they loved each other, they're pursuing each other. Second way to continue the pursuit is when you think something special, do it. Think of something special, do it. James 4, 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sin for them. In other words, don't just wait. Don't just have good intentions. Don't put things off. Just do it. It doesn't do any good just to think it. What are you thinking of doing? Is it flowers for no reason? Is it a card or a, a love note left where, where your, uh, your spouse is going to find it? Is it a regular date night? And even if, you know, life gets busy, you know, and I know the couples have had, you know, our, 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 our regular date night is, is, you know, like this night every week or whatever, and life happens and, it, and then it doesn't happen and, 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 you know, pretty soon, you know, if you plan on a date night like every week and life happens and it only happens every third week, that's better than not planning one at all, Right? Just do it if you think of something. A text in the middle of the day just to let you know that you're thinking of them. When you think of something, just do it. A third thing, when you, be, when you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. Rather than looking at your spouse and saying, why don't you change? Instead of that, you be the change. You be the difference you want to see in them. How many, it's a classic movie, how many remember the movie Remember the Titans? If you've not seen that, I would definitely go and see it. It's based on a true story. True stories always get me. It's based on a true story about the integration of T.C. Williams High School football team in Alexandria, Virginia in 1971. And in one scene, after a grueling three-day, uh, three-a-day practice session at football camp, there's a black player, defensive end Julius Campbell, and white linebacker Gary Bertier that are having a rather heated discussion. Remember this? When they're off at the, 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 the football camp, Bertier is complaining about what he sees as Julius's poor attitude and lack of effort. I wish I had the clip to show you, but I don't. But I want to go through the dialogue with you. Conversation went like this. Julius starts off, says, 
well, what I got to say, you really don't want to hear because honesty really ain't too high in your priority list, right? Gary says, honesty? You want honesty? All right. Honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man, not even Doc or Boone. And Gary and Julia, you know, goes on to tell Julius that he's not doing his job on the team and that, and it continues. And Gary says, you can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates out to dry, me in particular. Julius says, why, why should I give a hoot about you, huh? Or anybody else out there? You want to talk about a waste? You're the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job. Or you got a job, I have a job. You've been doing your job? I've been doing my job. Julia says, then why don't you tell your white buddies to block for Rev better because they've not blocked for him worth a plug nickel? And you know it. Nobody plays, yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to get mine. And Gary says, see, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. And Julius comes back with, attitude reflect leadership, Captain. That conversation is a turning point in the whole film. That line, attitude reflect leadership, Captain, that line is a turning point in the whole film. Because after that conversation, Gary Bertier began to be the change he wanted to see in Julius and the others. He heard what Julius said. And he began to change. Starting with the next play in practice, he became the change that he wanted to see in Julius. And then Julius began to follow. And then the team, for the most part, came in, except for one or two others, the, 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 the team um, um, began to change too. You, be, you, you want something different, then be it. And that means to get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. If you, start, if you want something different, you have to start doing different things. Your marriage or any other situation will not change until you begin to do things differently. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And next, to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Look back at what you did before and start doing it again. Jesus told the church at Ephesus, remember, remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent. Change your thinking, change your mind, change your direction. That's the word repent means. Repent and do the things you did at first. If your marriage or any relationship, we're talking about marriage primarily here, if that's not what, you, what, what, what it once was and you want to get back to what it once was, remember what it was like before, look at what you did different then that you're no longer doing. Don't just point at the other person but look at yourself. What is it that you were doing then that you're not doing now? Be the change. Go back to that. So never give up the pursuit. 
always pursue. Always pursue your two. Pursue hard with affection and devotion. Pursue relentlessly. Pursue with words of affection. Pursue with words of affirmation. Our words matter. Words that are spoken matter as well as words that are not spoken. They matter. Tell your spouse you love them. Tell them that you believe in them. Worship team, come on up. <clears throat> I want to end with, uh, with this. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you invite you to just hold your hands out in front of you, specifically married couples. Because I want to bless your marriage. Spouse may or may not be here, that's okay. And I want to include in this the marriages of people that are not here because they're traveling or, or whatever. Jesus, I ask you to come now and to bless marriages. Just put your blessing on them right now, Lord. Those that are doing great, those that are, that everything seems to be clicking, everything seems to be going wonderful and no major problems or issues. Currently, Father, I pray that you would just continue. Continue that. Continue to pour out your spirit. Continue to pour out your blessing. Continue to strengthen. And lead and direct and guide. And those that are struggling. Those that are been, have been having some difficulty. And who knows, maybe one, is, one of the spouses is starting to wonder. Is this going to go the distance? Father, I pray right now for the grace to go the distance. The grace to work through any issues, any problems. The grace to overcome the challenges and the difficulties. I bless the marriages in this church. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Where things are broken, bring healing and restoration. Bring a spirit of reconciliation. Lord, we ask that you would put a hedge of protection, a wall of protection around marriages because so many are under attack right now.
protect and bless and heal and sustain. In Jesus' name, amen.